I'm an independent. I'm not a fancy person. Though. Not yet. No, I'm never, never going to be fancy. You, you could, I could I could be rich and I still don't be fancy. <laughs> Welcome to Young Earth Concrete Podcast, Will. Pleasure to be here. We got there in the end. We, we yeah, figured it out. We did. <laughs> How are you today on this Sunday, anyway? I'm doing, I'm doing good. Nice, cloudy, rainy day here in New York City. The really? weather's warming up, so everyone's feeling happier and happier. Uh, I think we made it through that long, awkward winter we just had. Yeah. It seems to last for a while. I, mm-hmm. we, we, we are just... England does this thing where it doesn't really have like in between seasons at times. Like sunny days will come out of nowhere, and you'll not be expecting it, and you'll do what I did, to, like I did today, and just get sunburned almost instantaneously. Because I know I I have some friends in in, in England, and they would joke, they'd be like, "Oh shit, it's a nice day. I I gotta go outside. Shit, like, I don't want to, but I have to. There's only six of these every ten years." Yeah, and then you, if you can, you can hide away from them. But we also don't have air conditioning, so oh it, no, it's it's not it's just not a standard thing in the UK. Like really, yeah, we 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 have insanely hot days, and we'll get up to like high temperatures. But aircon, unless you're in like a business, just is not a thing. Oh, it's like it's so it's it's different now. Back back in the day, in fact, I I just my old New York City peaked through when I moved back after the pandemic. I had mm-hmm. my father was like randomly we have this shed way out in the woods, and he's like, I got a bunch of old air conditioners, and I was like, I'm gonna take these to the city because if I remember, there comes a time in the middle of the summer where no one can get AC. So yeah. I like brought these old AC units. And I was like, I'm gonna flip these puppies. Uh, and I was like putting them on marketplaces, and everyone's like, no, "Dude, we have Amazon now. I'm not going to buy <laughs> some like, dodgy air conditioner some, from some old, guy." Yeah, they're like, "We don't run out. There's an infinite supply of them, um, and they're new and they're ten dollars. Wow. Nice try." So now I have just these air conditioners in my apartment. I mean, ship them to the UK. Someone will buy them. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's great to bring people back. I'm like, "Hi, this is my apartment. Here's a bunch of air conditioners on the floor. Welcome." This is my art. This is, this is just a sculpture piece. It's just a bit avant-garde. You, you might not get it. It's about <laughs> aircon. And, and um, so I'm terrible at introducing people. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Who are you and what do you do? Uh, for sure. My name is uh, Will Boyajan. I'm, I'm an actor, writer, musician. And I started a philanthropic group about five years ago called Hopeful Cases. Uh, we play music. Uh, in the subways and on the streets of major cities with a sign that says, if you're homeless or you need help, you can take as much money from the case as you want. We just like to play. Uh, During the pandemic, we slowly and disorganizedly stepped into the live streaming world and tried to keep up with all that mayhem to keep the the message going. And we've managed to somehow almost keep our head above water for two years now doing this. And it's turned into a weird thing no one really knows what it is anymore the least of which myself but uh yeah that's that's the general idea of this uh message i mean it's, it's a very good message which, yeah. is, which is why i mean i so yeah i mean i originally came across you as i imagine most people did on reddit on our pan and see because i i during lockdown i did i streamed every day for like 300 days on reddit and you you were one of those regular people i just kept seeing pop up 
And I was like, I need to know more about this guy. <laughs> and then when, yeah, when I looked at your website, I was like, this guy's insane. <laughs> He's doing amazing things in you. It was, it was a strange time. I don't know, I don't yeah, know if you it, felt that way. But. Oh, it was a really weird time. And, and part of it, I think we'll look back on this and, mm. uh, I think we'll look back on it favorably in about a decade. Uh, I remember I was I was just reading something, uh, and you'll also have to you'll have to watch my tangents because I'm a major tangent person. But I was just, I was just reading. They were asking people who lived in London during the during the air raids in World War II during the Blitzkriegs, and they mm. had them talk about it. And they all said they're like, "Oh, it was horrible. It was terrible." But they all say I have very fond, warm memories of that time uh, because we were all sharing in this daily trauma this daily high adrenaline what's going to happen the sense of community that formed out of that they said they all had positive memories looking back on that and i think they called it bliss during blitzkrieg uh, and I, I bet you we'll look back on that even already just two years out i think i go like oh i remember those first couple months hmm. we were yeah. like oh let me talk to my old buddy let me i've always wanted to get into into plants let's do that you know <laughs> Let's bake bread. Everybody yeah, seems to bake bread on this. Yeah, <laughs> I want to get into baking, and now we're just kind of slugging along every day. We're like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Like, so I have COVID right now, and I just I asked my uh, my friend, and I it's been two years, and I was like, hey, I called everyone. I was like, what what do I do? And some people were like, oh, you got to do this. And I, I had friends who were like, yeah, you don't even got a quarantine, dude. You're good. No. <laughs> you could just go out. You're fine. It's like a bad cold. Like you'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> We're just fucking, we're just, we're just eyes closed, can only miss pushing through this shit. So, um, but yeah, yeah, it was a crazy, the early time in the streaming. And I think you and me both were doing it at a time where it was really growing mm -hmm. and allowed some really kind of crazy, it was a really kind of wild west situation. I think that's what made it so much fun. Yeah, definitely. I, I think like you, I kind of, I, I, I never like streaming had never appealed to me. It was never something I wanted to do. I'm not a person who kind of like naturally seeks out attention or anything. And I was like, you know, maybe do it. And I think I started doing it essentially just for friends because mm -hmm. I know quite a few people who live alone. And I was like, well, if I'm just there every single day for 30 minutes, it gives them like a, a consistency and like mm -hmm. providing that. Like I know you obviously did it through, through your cars and whatnot to just kind of spread the music. It's the high intensity I, performances you give on <laughs> well it's so funny because i actually i started streaming just for just so i could have some creative outlet during the pandemic and then maybe yeah. like three or four weeks into these like every day these huge streams uh someone was like hey do you do this thing and i was like yeah and they're like why don't they're like why don't you do it here and i was like oh, oh yeah oh yeah i should do that yeah uh, you know, and uh, we had just, right at the start of the pandemic, we had just been, you know, we were supposed to do a big kind of press tour about the street stuff we do, um, which it was never meant to be online. It was always meant to just be in the street. And uh, that all fell apart uh, at the start of the pandemic. So I kind of was kind of feeling defeated about that. So the two things kind of kismet came together with the growth of Reddit's live streaming platform and then uh, wanting to continue whatever this experiment was you know yeah that makes a lot of sense i, I mean I, I mean it's worth me asking how, how did you get started doing your, your philanthropic that's a word i can't say um <laughs> things so uh you know what i i i've been living in the city for maybe five six years at this point and i'd say right. every year i always like to come up with one weird 
experiment. I'd be like, what's the weird thing? Like, what's going to be my weird little thing I'm going to do this year? And they always were very dumb and they never worked. Like, I remember right before... Hopeful- examples. This is, this is so, a- <laughs> like, right right before Hopeful Cases, um, right. I had done a, a group called uh, Professional Secret Keepers, where I printed out 10,000 business cards that said... Professional secret keepers, your secret safe with us. Confess, and all will be forgiven. And I would go to Barnes and Nobles and leave them in hundreds of books every day. Yes. I would just, I would slip them into it's books. Perfect. I'd I'd yep. put them behind toilets all over the city, and no one ever. I got like four emails, and there was a day I put one on the subway, and then I saw I walked away. I like slipped it in the corner of a poster board, and I saw this couple go up like on the Saturday night. They went up and they like looked at it. And they like, I was like, oh shit, they're going to email a secret. And then they literally pointed at me and laughed. They were like, it's that fucking dude. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then like, I think before that, I started this fake Tumblr blog called Anti-Nazis of New York, where every time I would take pictures of people hailing taxis and I'd be like, look at this disgusting fucking Nazi. Get out of our city. We have no time for Nazis in New York City. Take your zig hail somewhere else. Uh, so like, but hopeful cases. So then there was a period of time I was just, you know, and I can just tell this story now. Uh, but through a weird series of events, I got like Sigourney Weaver's people, like the actress reached out to me and they were like, Oh, Alan Rickman's year memorial service is happening. He was a huge fan of uptown funk. And we heard you do some funky covers of stuff. We would love for you to play uptown funk at this like private dinner and do it in some weird kind of morose um papa style and i was like oh for sure that's my thing yeah. uh and i told everyone in my life i was like guess what losers i made it sigourney weaver reached out to me uh and then she was like how much how much do you uh what's your rate and i had no idea what my rate was yeah. and i forget what i told her but it must have been comically low um, like I think, like, what's your rate? And I was like, oh, seventy-five bucks is good. Yeah, you, yeah. just buy me a sandwich. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> good luck. I, I was like, will you pay for my subway fare? So I, I, I gave her some absurdly low number, and then she was like, yo, her people reached out. They're like, we're good. we're good. We're gonna go somewhere else. Um, and so then I like had a night where I was like, oh my god, like this huge gig fell through. And I was just feeling so upset. And I'd had this idea, you know. And I have one of those nights where if I didn't do something, I would have just been you know, Robert De Niro pacing the basement kind of vibes. And uh, yeah, so I just had this blank piece of poster board and this idea had been kind of in my head a little bit of this like anti-busking thing. And I just like nine o'clock at night, I just wrote on the back of the board and I went down to Times Square and went into the subway and just played. And I didn't know if it would work, but it, it worked. We like people put money into the case and even more surprising, people took money out of the case. And um Normally, I would have said, oh, that was a fun one-time thing, but mm-hmm. I definitely, selfishly, I had a feeling when I walked out, which was, I, just, I felt very clean. I felt good about it. I said, wow. I said, that that was awesome. Um, and I, I am from the school that I, I, most altruism comes from a place of of selfishness, of, uh, of, yeah. of self-preservation or of affirmation, whatever reason. We're not doing good deeds for nothing. No. But that was a, a moment where I said, I got to get more of this, this yeah. feeling of, of, of helping others. I never really, you know, I mean, there was a period right before that I had made a New Year's resolution. Every time someone asked me for money uh, on the street, I would give it to him if I had it. Mm-hmm. I got very tired of this New York City thing we do that someone who has nothing comes up and they're like, do you have a dollar? 
and in the most expensive city in the world, yeah. people where one in twelve people is a millionaire, everyone goes like, "No, I have no dollars." Yeah. Like, well, you have a fucking you have a dollar, and you're gonna buy like a seven dollar bagel sandwich, dude. Yeah. You might as well just give it because you're gonna die, and that money's gonna be nothing. So just give it to this dude, and you at least have done something d- decent. Yeah. So that's kind of the roundabout <laughs> way of how this started. I, I think it's 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 actually something when I, when I kind of read through your projects and I watched the video on on your website, which kind of explained like you you were just kind of going into it and like making it, and you didn't really expect it to be doing anything. I think very much when I read about your work, I felt kind of like a kindred this person gets it moment you know like when you read something and you think about all the things you do and then you find you're like this person kind of gets it because I, mm. I, I like i do a lot of things very similar to you in the sense of where i just sell up stupid projects and i'm just like yeah this this will be this will be fun I've, I've got a couple of trips coming up where i've got projects in my head where i'm like this is the dumbest thing no one's going to care about this like mm-hmm. like making a twitter account for something like there was a, a, a long period of time where i was like i wanted to do unsolicited duck pics and i just <laughs> wanted to set up a twitter account which would make a bot and it would send you duck pics regardless of whether you wanted ducks or not like that and just little things like that and like i, I do a zine which is free essentially and people think i'm insane because they're like you can't just give something away and i'm like well it's all about encouraging creativity and yeah. the whole point of the zine is i take people's artwork which they send to me anonymously and i just publish mm-hmm. it and i'm like this is just it's just participating in the process and yeah like like you say you feel very clean at the end of it you feel very open and like this is good yes and <laughs> i think i think in this current age where everything is monetized instantly um Everything is about content creation, content creation for the sake of making content. I think it's really important to like harken back to this 1960s idea of like the happening of like, Mm -hmm. here's this event. If you weren't here, you missed it. And we are going to we are going to explore what this weird carnival ride we're on is. And it's we're just going to see what happens. Let's just see what happens. And we're going to say, oh, give a shit. There are these rules that we all, we got to follow these rules. I don't give a shit. We're all, we're fucking meat machines. You might as well. Yeah. No, these are all dumb rules. I'm amazed. I see people go, we got to do these rules. I'm like, who said, if you just do whatever you want, just do whatever you want, you know? So yeah, I, I totally feel that, man. Yeah. And that's no. always been, that's always been the energy we try to bring, you know? Especially, I mean, so like before, the project presumably you're, you're a musician for uh, your forefront because you no, just no like no no dude i'm an i'm an actor writer so you started always, as an actor writer like yeah i'm still an actor writer people are always like you're a musician i'm like nah, not really i'm really good at faking it i can i mean totally i'm looking at your background think. and i'm seeing a lot of musical instruments well, this because i have had a problem to, <laughs> no yeah like i i, I have to keep up <clears throat> But I would definitely say, like, the show I do is more... People are always like, is it a music show? And I'm like, not really. Uh, it's kind of more of an acting show. It's uh, it's about... The funny stuff is not the songs I sing. It's not like they're phenomenal. I mean, I'm, I'm a really good musician. But uh, but that's not the that's not the thing. I think the thing is is all that improv-y, experiment-y, wild, who knows what it's going to be today. Mm-hmm thing that makes it fun uh so no so i mean i was primarily uh, an actor and a writer uh and you know doing really boring like punch-up commercial stuff uh right. and 
yeah, I guess I never really picked my lane, uh, and this was a fun way for me to merge all three roads into you know one. So it's definitely been a blessing in that regard. Yeah. Do you find? I mean, having been I, like I studied um, film as my as my main degree, um, and it was one of those things. Do you ever find that when you try to do writing and kind of get into your writing and acting, that you're basically you find you block out a lot of the world, and then no. it's like no. Uh, no, I wish. I <laughs> wish, man. That's I work hard to get there. Um yeah. No, I am the I am the most insecure heady writer you've ever um I I like writing on the fly. That's like right. my that's like where, where so the only time I feel good about my writing is when it's and that's why the type of work I used to be doing would be a lot of like I would get an email and they would say we need 15 jokes about banks in 30 seconds and i go okay okay cool 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 i'm on it or they would say we need this scene done in a half hour it's got to be and i go perfect but if you sit me down and you're like hey in two weeks have something for us i will just go like because i can't shut the world out you know um and that's the skill of a writer is being able to do that focus and i am just the poster boy for adhd (laughs) um which I'm working on. It works. Yeah. Just absorbing everything around you. My, my God, my God, writing more than a sentence. I, I have to write faster. I just get, uh, it just, it goes all over the place. Yeah. I, I mean, that's why I guess I kind of thought of it from the point of view of maybe you were that kind of writer and then doing these projects opened up you to more of the world and more people's stories. But if you're, if you're absorbing everything already, like. Um, oh, yeah. I, I mean, these projects definitely have widened my lens. Hopeful cases. Right has changed me um the street stuff specifically has changed me uh to a to to a point where i i have difficulty trying to project what i might have been had i not started doing this because i i was a pretty miserable dude before i i mean i'm still wave my cynical new york city flag proudly but um my thoughts on people have have definitely changed from from doing this this was a real uh hand to hand type thing and i think i had some major worldviews that flipped yeah yeah i i mean that i think as something i can completely appreciate like i i recently released a video um cuz i've been doing this 5 years now on mm-hmm. the the thing and but it's been like a 10 year process of getting to this point and if me 10 years ago was cynicism 101 like yeah like I can it's, watch videos back, and I'm just like, no, that's not, that's not. Yeah, and, and I think it's more and more common than ever now. And I think there's a, you know, there, there's a quote I just recently heard that like every, you know, everyone's always shares quotes, and you kind of go like, okay, yeah, hey, thank yeah. you. I'm I'm sure Picasso's got great thoughts, but he was fucking Picasso. Like, chill out. Yeah. But I, I just heard. I think it was George Carlin. And if it's not, I'm going to be so embarrassed. But it said, uh, if you if you scratch a cynic and you'll find a disappointed idealist. Right, yeah. Can, and uh, yeah. yeah, and that really made me go like, oh, that's 100% where this comes from. I have mm-hmm. a way I think the world should operate and it doesn't operate that way. And I entered into this world expecting that. Yeah. And I think there's a thing some of us do and the internet makes it happen fast now where you maybe peel back that gold foil a little too early in your life. Uh, and the world is now not as gilded as it should be when you're 19, which it should be glowing and golden and sunny and fun when you're 19 years old. Uh, Cause you got your whole life to see how the sausage is made. Yes. And I'm, I might've done that too early. So I definitely was. And then, and then you live in New York city, you live in a city that's about um, 
that glorifies a certain type of misanthropic cynicism. It's kind of part of the aesthetic of the city, and you can really turn into just a piece of shit really quickly. <laughs> that's, that's the title for this podcast. Just like, <laughs> New York, it can turn you into a piece of shit. Like yeah. so fast, so fast, <laughs> so quick. I, 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 mean, I was just, just going to say, I, I find it fun now when I meet people who remind me of me when I was younger. And how much it confuses them to be in any way optimistic of just like, yeah, you know, this is life. And people, people like you do, we say we, um, the way you kind of see people and like how you interpret people on the street and this idea of like, yeah, these people are going through something that, you know, they're, they're in need of help, but they're still people. They're still, you know, live people. And then I meet people from like me would have been 10 years ago. Like now, you know, fuck these people, you know, yeah. doing whatever. And now I meet people like, yeah, no, they're like, and you just watch them get confused, and it's almost like you're overtaking yeah. their brain. You're just like, yeah, just yeah. Just. I think the older I get, the more of me meeting a optimist in quotes or a pessimist mm-hmm. in quotes, someone whose like primary color is one of those two things. Yeah, the more I go like, okay, you don't, you're not, you'll get, you'll get there. Because I think that's the thing. You ever meet someone? You go, you fuck, you're there. And it's yeah. neither. It goes, there's not good shit or bad shit is not, there's just, it's just shit happening. Yeah. Some of it's good. Some of it's bad. It's mostly just meaningless. And, uh, you know, just don't think about it. And they're like, well, you keep stay a sunny disposition. No, you don't. Or be like, if you're a pessimist, you'll never be disappointed. Not that either. You asshole. Yeah. You gotta just be, it's your life. You live it. You have some tasty meals. You have some shitty meals. You have some great lovers. You have some real nut jobs. That's all the delicious little nuts in your Sunday. Exactly. So just enjoy it, you know? Yeah. Who, I think knows, the way I worded it to a friend the other day was, is like most people go through some shit and you learn how to deal with it. And what you, the trick is, is just to just be nice to everybody, you know, be generally as a default nice, but keep the little toolkit in your back pocket for when things fuck up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. And it's also, it's like, it's such a privileged thing and definitely you see a lot among the creatives and the artists and, and the, and the sub 30 year olds Yeah, where they're like, I'm a, like you ever see a lady and like, if you see a lady on the street and she's pushing a stroller and she's just looks tired, but she's just going. And if you were like, is she a pessimist or an optimist? Be like, neither. She's yeah. a fucking single mother of three. She's neither of those things. She is a fucking powerhouse of adrenaline and strength. Like, she's not a fight. Do you think she's like, oh, well, nothing good's gonna... I don't know. She's just going. She's yeah. in the moment. It's fucking dope. It's dope. It's the most human humans, you know? It's watching people get through the day. It's like, I, I, I hate people who really look down on anyone for just enjoying something. Mm-hmm. Like, like, oh, no, you know, fuck these basic people who like their, you know, their pumpkin spice latte and they'll drink a bottle of wine. I'm like, yeah, they're having... They're just living life. Like, yeah. this is giving it's- them a brief moment of res- respite. I think it's one of the I think it's one of the the worst thing. There's something extra heinous about uh, dismantling what brings someone joy, especially especially when you're. It's always something that is that you have turned into like a personifier for yourself. Like no one's ever like, look at that basic person walking in the park. It's always something that you enjoy the opposite thing and you think the opposite thing is a, is a personifier for you. We do it with drinks for some reason now. Yeah. Like, if we girly drink, I was like, chill the fuck out. What, are you in the trenches? Calm down. Drink, they're like, oh, this drink's too sweet. I was like, do you not eat cereal in the morning? Just chill out, man. Do you not have cake at a birthday party? Chill out, chill out. Enjoy, taste it all. 
take your no one thinks you're gay you're fine dude girl you can you can tough you can be gross sometimes no one gives a shit yeah. just enjoy just taste all the little tasties you know sample life is yeah life. yeah sample yeah. Life. and if yeah. you meet people who are very much against one thing like that i tend to i i, I fall into the category of like this is where i just start to troll people like if i'm meeting someone and they're like oh well the drink you drink is gay i'm like well i'm gonna drink the fruitiest drink i can find yeah it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's very weird it's very weird i mean i think we're working through it right now in yeah. in the world we're definitely working through this is is a globe to be like okay okay what were we doing for the past 2000 years? Was that good? And we're all kind of like, uh, some of it, some of it was kind of fucked. And I'm like, yeah, I remember how far we've come. I was just talking to a buddy. And I remember there was a period of time I brought hummus to school when I was elementary school and it was the nineties. And everyone's like, what are you eating? And I was like, hummus. And they're like, that's what, that's gay. And I was like, and now y'all eating hummus. Everyone's eating hummus now. They love it. That's we 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 move so fast now, um. So I, I like to see that. I like to see that that we can all that we're. I I think we're dismantling some shit that wasn't maybe great. Definitely. I don't know if I'm answering any of your questions right now. I'm really just kind of rambling. That's the best way to do it. That's the best way to do it. I mean, to pick up where you, you kind of left off. It's weird that you mentioned hummus because I was thinking literally thinking the other day. Six years ago, I didn't know what hummus was. I'd never even heard of it, and now it's it's everywhere. Yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. And, yeah. Yeah. And the amount of things, like, I love the fact that we now are in a position where we we can have lots of conversations. Like, I know people hate discussing, like, world politics and social views and, and especially, like, things like gender and stuff like that. But I'm like, you would never have had these conversations in the 90s. Yeah. Yes and no, though. I also think we've gotten to a place now where... So I think this global connectivity of social media has diluted sense of identity sense of community um so because of that we all want to carve out that piece i think that's why fashion's gotten the way it's gotten mm-hmm. why eclecticness of tastes have have really pinpointed in and gotten very specific and also because of this now everyone wants to be able to express their opinion about something while simultaneously we've kind of i think dismantled this idea that like we need to be able to discuss these issues academically so it, it's a real back and forth like i love discourse it's one of my favorite things mm-hmm. and and i was from a firm advocate for a long time that if you are not an authority on this you shouldn't talk about it. you should let let the uh, in a in a formal setting an informal setting with your buddies sure mm-hmm. but um as far as like here is my take there is someone who has studied this because there's someone who's studied everything let 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 them listen to what they got to say let them tell us so we got these issues now, and overnight, everyone's like, well, here's my thoughts on gender. And I'm like, D- D- have you spent time thinking about this? Yeah. I, this dude, who happens to be an investment banker, you also happen to have a, a master's in virology, too? You also, oh, and now and now we're all experts on, on, we're all experts on, I just had to talk with a buddy, and I was like, when did you become a fucking expert on Soviet-era tank strategies overnight? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the the war came out of nowhere, and then it suddenly everyone was a, like a general. Was yeah, like, and we're like, well, you know, Russia really should yeah. be coming up from a, a pantser. I'm like, just chill out, dude. You don't know. You don't know. Like, dude, just you say you don't cafe. know. Like, this like, is not your life. Like, you can step back. Yeah, it's, just, um, it's like you said, though. Like, I think people get into a position where they want to be heard, 
like especially like especially online there's, yes. there's a real sense of people want to be seen to be on a side whether mm-hmm. that side's right or wrong just to be seen to be on a side like allowing yeah. nuance just disappeared because of online. and what's 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 really really cool is this model that we seem to be day by day following uh is it was really predictable mm. from like a, a, a tribalist m- metric you know you, you know we all you could, if you could, in hindsight, of course, 2020, but if you could go back and say, hey, what will this do to us? Yeah. A sociologist worth his weight would have said, oh, this is going to happen. And it happened. I mean, I, I remember I was listening to, at the start of the pandemic, I was listening to, I think his name is Amal Adalja, and he was a, a Homeland Security virologist. He, he was a virologist from the perspective of Homeland Security. I think he worked for Bush. Right. So when the pandemic happened, he like stepped forward and was like, what's good, everybody? Like, this is literally my specialty and he was like you mark my words everyone and this was like in april may everyone was talking about this and he's like so this will be like 36 months this will be lingering but uh this is gonna turn political this is gonna happen he said this will end with guns on the street you're gonna have gated in everything this dude said would happen mm-hmm. pretty much on the timeline i was like wow because he studied it he knew he had worked on models of this what happens with you know, and it was just, it was just wild. It was wild watching people who have that uh, that capacity. You know, yeah, definitely. I've, the thing I always find interesting about that is when we have these people who can plot, like, based on things we've done in the past as a species and, and the society, and say, okay, you know, we've seen this happen, and this is how people behave in these situations, and this. Kind of, so we have all this information, and it just doesn't get applied. And you start there going, how? How are we not? using any of this at well, times. I mean, like we try the, to but <laughs> yeah i mean i think the big issue there is we had what has become the media force of the world which is the united states now that kind mm-hmm. of bullies the rest of the world into what we do mm-hmm. and uh we have a big old problem of scientific um pardon me we have a huge problem with scientific literacy in our country which you guys are a close second oh yeah definitely. um and it, and i'm you know I don't know what your audience here is, but I think we all know what is causing this lack of science. It's not people who are like, well, it's, 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 it's a group of religious fundamentalists mm-hmm. who, who by virtue of their set of beliefs, they can, they have to disagree with the scientific community because it contradicts their beliefs. So they have to carte blanche, deny everything. That's normally not an issue. It's an issue when it's the majority of the country does that. And it's the foundation of the country. Uh, and we did a global disservice during that pandemic, and it makes me um, pretty pretty sick. Um, that that literally, we have people who are like, "Hey, this is the best model we've ever come up with in the history of our species." Mm-hmm. It's called science. It like corrects itself. It's so cool. It can make predictions, and if they're not right, we correct it, and it's good. And yeah. someone's like, "Nah, that's bullshit." And that that was the whole conversation. <laughs> yeah. That was it. <laughs> So like they try to act like it was two sides arguing. It's almost like, hey, so this is this thing. I have a bunch of data, and I've it's drawn me to a conclusion, and it all convalesces on a on, on a, yeah. a central point, and then I make a prediction with it. And it's so cool, and I think it's right. It's the best model. It's almost like, nah, <laughs> that was the whole nah. Just, nah. <laughs> That's the nah. debate. It's just yeah. like, it's just like, yeah, nah, man. Nah, like, yeah. Nah, you know, that, that's always one of those things that when you see someone produces like a well informed argument. And you know it's well structured, and it's got all the information you need. And someone just comes and goes, "Yeah, but but what if you're wrong?" 
Like, for sure. <laughs> and like this thing that really, and I don't know, you, you seem like someone who is into like syllogism. You seem like someone who's into like classic logic. Yeah. And to an extent, so, yeah. Did you notice this thing at the start of the pandemic? We're like not talking about what we're supposed to be, but it's totally cool. That's so you funny. notice this thing at the, the top of the pandemic at the start of it, which was when all these people who, who were not into this, all of a sudden they learned a few fallacy terms. They learned like the term ad hominem. They learned yep. like like uh, they 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 learned appeal to authority. They learned um, straw man, and they would they were just like a those <laughs> like a dog who learned how to wield a gun. Like didn't know how to use it, but they were throwing it, and it would just. Yeah. I, I remember having conversations with people, and I'd be like, "Well, the scientific consensus points to this," and they'd say, "Ah, it's appeal to authority, dude." Yeah. And then you. Be like no, okay, no, no. So what appeal to authority is? And they go, yeah, yeah. You're, are you appealing to authority? And you go, well, yeah, but I'm not though. I'm not by you know. And I, I feel like the whole start of my pandemic before I just gave up. I think we all hit that moment where like I'm just gonna give up. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that anymore. Like I'm, I'm done. Just like the way I, I kind of view that is, it's almost like when your teenager discovers philosophy for the first time, mm-hmm. and they suddenly it's like they've read Marx. And they're suddenly like, oh, yeah, no, but it's because of this and workers and separate this. And every argument you have now comes back to that. You're like, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. You read some keywords. We're, we're right. You just haven't applied it to actual humanity. <laughs> and 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 it's 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 very hard. It's, it's very hard to 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 navigate that because it, it's it's very sleight of handy. I mean, I know full on people who it's their profession is discourse and they use that um regularly but everyone i feel like started being like this is a this is dunning kruger dude you don't even know that you don't know and you have to be like well you are because you want to be like oh you know uh, honestly how do we all know so um what we know what we know like what's the epistemology there but you can't do that with someone who is denying basic understandable consensus you know yeah it's wild it's wild it's, it's just those hair male pairs. It's, it's, there's an interesting point there, which will get us back on kind of back on point of how we've reacted as like society with technology. And there's a question I kind of have for you is that you mentioned there, like way back when we were talking um, around the idea of like fashion and how things have changed with social media and people's want to be identified. I'm curious whether you have a view of whether genres can be a thing in the future. Because it's something which I've noticed a lot within media has become things become more homogenized and get more twisted by the media of ways they are produced and why they're produced genres back in the day were always someone pushing against that whereas now there's like there's a level of there's no way to make like an ingrain of like yeah cool so this is what i'm doing now like for sure so i think that is kind of i think that viewpoint is a little bit anthropic it's a little bit like looking back you go of course it filled that that puddle was filled perfectly how did that happen but i think we're putting that so it's not like when when acid jazz was happening and people were like oh i love jazz but like let's turn this on its head mm-hmm. i think that was a, a that was a subtle thing that took time and not like they didn't have a meeting and they're like what do we do now well what if we broke the rules of yeah so i hate music today I'm not a fan of it, but, 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 but I wanted to say is I hate it because I'm 32 years old and it's against yeah. the frame, the, 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 the palette that I grew up with. I think music is in an awesome place right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really have a bit of disdain when I hear people doing like, music's garbage. I'm like, that's because you're in your thirties. Of course you think that every 30 year old has thought that ad nauseum as far back as you can go. Um, I think right now genres are still happening. They're just happening very fast. 
Yes. Um, and I love cataloging. It's like a thing my brain does, and I love being like. And you're seeing it with like meme culture and videos too. Mm-hmm. You ever see a video and I go, I, I know what type of video that is. I know up, oh, and you're doing that. It's yep. this genre of video. Oh, and this is a fusion of this genre and this genre. Oh, you did a flip reveal. It's meta now. Like I love all that play, and we're, it's happening so fast as everyone has to work so much harder now yeah. to carve out a piece of the pie and to find an original sound or an original idea. Now, that being said, I do believe that you can reach the end of big pie slices, and you're going to have to get so precise in the future. I mean, I can't imagine what it's going to be, but it's going to be plays on plays on plays. It'll be like, this is a comment on the thing that we were commenting on, and we'll comment on this whole act of commenting on it. I think that's what genre will be in the next 10 years, but it's definitely... Social media is definitely made a model that is not sustainable for the idea of like new stuff. It's just too fast for one thing to really root. I mean, I, I don't even know what I can't think of a genre that's lasted more than five months no. of, of music in the past five years. Um, the only thing I can think of is lo-fi. Lo-fi. And lo-fi was kind of happening before. Yeah. We just put a name on it because one guy on, on YouTube put a yes. name on it, you know? Yeah. And I feel like lo-fi heavily profited in value from the pandemic. Like if the pandemic hadn't happened, no one would care about lo-fi. No one would be like, I need this in my life. And now it's just like, no, this is my chill music because this is what it's, happened and got me through things. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 what we needed in that time. Um, yeah. And that's and that's I think the, the beautiful thing about art is you art is always going to be a reflection of what people need at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at like. Uh, you're seeing it with with fashion now. I mean, this whole thing that the 90s is coming back now, I, I think, is a very interesting. And I, I, I haven't spent the time I'd like to, to say, why why are we back here again? I'm just happy but, to be back here. <laughs> I'm, yeah, suddenly re- I'm suddenly I, relevant. <laughs> I, I I am. You know, I, I was just talking with uh, with someone who's a teacher. Uh, and I don't know why I said someone. I was talking with a family member who's a teacher. <laughs> Um, and she, you know, she was in high school in the nineties and now she's a teacher of middle school girls. And she was like, man, it's so weird. She said, cutting is back. She said, we're dealing with cutting in school, a huge issue. And we were trying to say, I wonder, I wonder if this is causal or symptomatic of this nineties pushback. Are we bringing back ideas of the nineties? And with that is going to come an idolization or an admiration of 90s culture, part of which was this whatever that cutting thing we were doing in the 90s. Or is there some base core belief that was prevalent in the 90s, went away in the 2000s and 2010s, and is now back? Because you're seeing it with music and you're seeing it with fashion and you're seeing it with gaming and movies. Uh, So it was very interesting. I was like, I, I wonder if this is causal or symptomatic of something else, it's very, uh, it's wild to see things play back so quickly. These callbacks, you know, it's not like fifties aesthetic coming back in the late nineties. This is like nine. It just happened like 20 years ago and it's back. You know, I think that's that's one of the crazy things about when you think about the nineties and the two thousands of like, you get kids obviously who think, they're thinking of those periods as like, Oh, they're old, you know, like the retro, the vintage and that kind of thing. Whereas, the time period and like we say the social values at the time weren't too dissimilar to what's going on whereas when we were kids it was very much along the lines we were looking at like the 70s and 60s going oh that's retro but everything was different 
So yeah. we had a, a stark contrast to go, okay, I like dressing like a hippie, but at the same time, I don't want the values of what was going on in the 60s because yeah. like, that's not my, my, my life. Whereas they can look at us and go, oh, well, we like that. And, you know, we're not too different from that. Not- yeah, I mean, it's very interesting, especially I, I wouldn't call it because the 90s really were this period of like hyper commercialism and, and uniformity. Uh, and conformity, I think, was such a huge ideal in the 90s. And so much of the period we're in now, I would say, is the rejection of that, except for fat, the fashion and music is back, which is very interesting. Like, I'm, um, think of the ideal 90s body versus the, the body today and how different they are. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember I was the same person. Um, you know, my sister's like me, is Armenian. So in the 90s, had a hard time. This was mm-hmm. not... They can't see me, but this is this was not sexy in the '90s. My body right now, hairy, dark features. So she like learned how to like get her eyebrows all white, and she mm-hmm. learned how to do all that stuff. And I can see now that it's back. She's like, "Oh motherfucker!" Like I just got it, and now and now there are girls penciling in their eyebrows because yeah. they want to be, and they're trying to, yeah. you know. So that's very interesting that that flip happened, but not. Um, some other things didn't get carried with it. It's weird. Shit happens so fast now. Oh, it cannibalizes so quick. The 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 way I was, I, I tried to another guy on uh, the podcast who does five o'clock zines, a zine maker in Japan, um, and we were on about the the movement, the punk movement. Mm-hmm. We were saying how the punk movement was quite strange because you'd have different variations of punk depending on your location, like that heavily affected it. Whereas nowadays, something pops up online and it has to divert, but it can't divert based on location because your location doesn't matter because everyone's online. Mm-hmm. And you're suddenly like, oh, well, we're doing this, but we're doing it this way. And we're doing this and this way. So it's it's firing off in so many subcategories. You can't even track it. Like- and, and it gets monetized instantly, which I think destroys it movements very quickly, mm-hmm. which is why we're going to go rapid fire now because we need the newest thing when entertainment is like it is now at a premium. I mean, I hate to be this person and I use social media and I, it's something I'm thoroughly yeah. in quotes, enjoy the way that someone who does methamphetamine enjoys meth. Yes. Um, I use it daily, and I, but it is not sustainable for our monkey brains. If you think it is anyone who thinks it is, this is not a net good for us. We cannot handle this tech. This is like, this would be like if you gave one monkey a, an ax what are the chances it's not going to abuse the shit? Of course it is. It's not sustainable. That monkey did not. We were running away from lions yesterday. Yes. On the savannas. And now we just can't. You can still be happy. It's just a lot harder now. We cannot handle this God tech in our hands. And it is. Uh, but you got to be a player in it. You know, you can't yeah. not do it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's, the way I always describe it is kind of like driving a car. Like. Like we knew very early on cars were bad for the environment, like for everything. But as soon as jobs started being like out of your town, you were living in and you had to get places. It was like, okay, I guess I'm driving a car now. Yeah. And that's what social media is. It's like, all right, cool. I'm going to go sit on zoom and and do that. And and I'm going to go on these things because I have to do that. Yeah. I I feel like the challenge of an artist right now is trying to outrun monetization. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like a big challenge I've been working on now is dealing with um, 
personally a challenge is, is dealing with this lack of self-awareness that you need to kind of like put out garbage content, which you have to put out garbage content if you want to float to the top. If that's what you want to do, I'm still deciding, do I want to keep doing this? Um, I know that I would be a lot more successful if I just had no self-awareness and made cringy videos all day where I was like, yeah. hey, gang, like, check this. Oh, my, like fake videos, fake con- content for yeah, the sake yeah. of content. But I mean, it, it is also, I think the artist challenge now is finding a balance. How much of a player do you want? What's the balance you can strike? Because you want your work to get out there. You want your ideals to be represented. That's why we do art. Um, how much do you, how much of this poison pill do you swallow in order to keep trucking and making this happen? Um, and there are, there are still genres where this isn't, have, there's still mediums where it's not completely as invasive as now. Luckily, you know, my first love is always theater, which has been, it's always like fucking 30 years behind, which drives me crazy sometimes. Um, they're still like in the early nineties with there, but, um, like I remember, I, I talked to my to my theater agent, and I was like, "Hey, dude! Like, pandemics happen. I've been doing this thing. Like, it's got like a pretty big audience, and uh, I think we could do something cool with it." And he's like, "An audience?" And I was like, "He emailed. I'm assuming like he was like an audience. What do you mean?" But I was like, "Yeah, dude. I, I get I get like seven hundred thousand people when I do a show." And he's like, "Cool, cool dude." Let me know when you're doing stage shit again. And I was like, "Okay." He's like they, they just can't. But uh, so that's a little bit nice there. But it's yeah. I mean, I think that's the 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 balance as artists we all have to strike now is how much of a player in this clearly toxic mechanism do we want to be? What's the balance we strike there? I think we've all seen some influencers come up, or we see a video shoved in our face on our delicately constructed algorithm, and you go, "Why the fuck did you even make that video? Yeah. Why did you even make that, dude?" Yeah. You. You know, I'm sure you've seen people, you go, what is, so you're just sucking on a lollipop? What? I just got into TikTok and some stuff I see, I go, what? So you're just going, you're just bouncing up and down like you're having sex and that's what you do? Yeah. That's, that's what, why though? Like, why are you doing it? Like, why? Why though? Yeah. And I just hit a point where I want to start commenting and I go, why? Why would you do this? What are you doing? It, it's, you know, but maybe that's because we're in our thirties, dude. We're old. Maybe. I don't know if you're in your thirties. You, yeah, I'm, just, I'm 32. I'm the same age as you. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're, we're doomed. Like <laughs> TikTok, TikTok, TikTok for me at the minute is the barrier. Like very much like making content, making content. It's always been the barrier. Of like I'm, a, I'm, I'm doing all right. Like I make stuff every so often, which is just a bit dumb and a bit memey. But the barrier is TikTok, where I'm like, I'm not quite there yet. Like, I think, I think, dudes our age, people our age, we are in that Vine mentality, which is like, oh, here's a funny idea. People would like to see that. And then they go, haha, you got to post every day, fucker. Or we don't even show it to people yes. yet. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, it's wild, though. It's wild. They're people. And I go, and I wish a, a driving force would come in. And we're teenagers in the internet. We're still figuring it out. But I wish someone would come in and say, hey, man, don't, you're going to, it ain't working. And even if it does work, what, there's this guy, I don't know why the algorithm always shows me, but it's just him. He points and he goes, I'm the youngest lotto winner and I'm giving all the money away. He posts the same video every day. Just follow me in my, and I go, you didn't, dude. Yeah. You didn't win the lotto. I don't know what this is every day. I go, what's your end game here, bro? What is the final that you get famous and then you have the money, but then no one will, you know, it's too fast now to call bullshit too, which yeah. is very bad for us. You ever see a video that's just fake and you 
there was a time in the like in the early two thousands, you'd be like, "This is fake," and here's why. You can, yeah. see. and now I'll be like, "Ah, yeah, okay, no one's gonna read that. You can let it be fake." Yeah, just just allow fakeness to happen. Now this is it. It. I mean, I guess that's the beauty of it. Was it like I was saying, like things move so quickly now. I'm like, it's fake. It'll be gone in two minutes. Someone mm-hmm. else will have moved on to something else, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll be creating something else. I think when I think of art and I think of content, the the only advice I ever give to people is just when you make things, just remember why you're making it. If you're making it because it satisfies you and you find it cathartic, then keep making it. Don't beat yourself up over the stuff which is just to get to the top. Like, yeah. yeah. And that's the best advice. And I think that's why like projects like your own and projects which I do on the side, which are just not based in any way, shape or form about like fame or, or money or making a living. You're just like, we're just doing this because we want to do this. We think it's a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's as best as we can do. For sure. We're, we're, we're age, we've aged out the internet. We had it yeah. and then we lost it. Yeah. We were too. We were, we were waiting for photos of boobies to load one at a mm. time. The sad thing about that is that you know people our age made TikTok. <laughs> like really? The people who made like all these new platforms we're seeing are like 30 oh, to 40 yeah. year old developers and you're like, you built you you destroyed what we had. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you, were, you were one of us and you just went and threw it away. We definitely got the golden age though. We got to experience the gold like what I imagine is the car equivalent when the cars were going auga. Yep. We got to experience that where you're kinda like yeah, just driving down the road any way you want. You know, that was kind of cool, though. We got to do the... We did. Yeah. Yeah. Like, our parents will sit and talk about, like, vintage, you know, Pontiac Firebirds. And we're like, do you remember blogs? Like, do, do you remember, like, forum blogs where you didn't even... It wasn't even on Tumblr. You just had a random, like, Angel Fire email address. And you were like, I'm just going to go sit on that and write some shit. <laughs> I was talking about MSN groups. Remember MSN oh, yeah, groups? yeah. Dude, I used to I, I used to be on this Harry Potter MSN group and we would all role play like we were in Hogwarts and I was I was a professor. I would give homework. Uh, and like I was like thirteen. I was, say. I was like I was like thirteen, but I'd be like, What what magical creature is this? And they'd be like, yeah, it's a centaur. I'd be like, A plus Ronalus. I'll you get four points on the MSN group. We have to type it all in by hand. What I love now is doing stuff like that for young people like so they can find it like you mm-hmm. make something which is like because there's a real trend at the minute of, of like small zine creators making uh tapes you know like like cassettes and mm-hmm. they're making those things and i'm like who are you selling these to because your audience is like 13 to 15 year old there is no way they own a tape deck like that's kind of cool though there's a yeah. there's a, a a journey in that now so i guess I mean, I guess finding a tape deck now is like finding like if someone gave you a cassette to a ten year old with something they genuinely wanted off that, yeah. or like if someone gave you a floppy disk, that now turns into a crazy journey. Yeah. It's funny that that's old enough tech now where that's going to take you're going to have to do stuff. You're going to have to go track down a floppy disk drive, which I, I don't even know if they are even making. I'm sure you can get one yeah. today. Must be somewhere which makes one. But that's actually an interesting thing. Yeah. If you bought like a couple hundred, if you bought like a thousand floppy disks and you put something wild on it that people wanted and you announced and you said, hey, we're in, yeah. we're in New York City, we're going to be leaving these places, that would be fun. People would have to find a way to access these. It would make them do so. You'd have to, 
I don't I even would, know. I would love yeah. to do that. If, if I ever write an EP, like I'm not a musician <laughs> in any way, shape, or form, but if I ever produce some noise and I'm just going to put it on a floppy disk and I'm going to leave it in, and that's, that's the way forward. I feel like that's a real Kanye move right now. That's something Kanye would do. And then everyone will be like, I loved floppy disks. Yeah, but I if Kanye did it, it cost you like $1,000 and <laughs> you're doing that. Whereas I'd just be like driving along the street and just throw a floppy disk out the window yeah. and have someone be like, what? Some guy threw a floppy disk at me? Or I mean, a save and, icon? <laughs> and that is what I do like about the Reddit platform and, and what's always a thing of the way I've always wanted to do stuff is the idea of giving free entertainment, I think is very important in today's day and age. And I know it seems free what we get, but it's not free. You're getting fed advertisements. This whole, our whole world is marketing now. Yeah. So um, I, I, I think the ability for free entertainment is so important now. Um, from an artist standpoint, it's one of the last kind of badass things you can do is, is offer your work up work. That is, that, that is, um, to offer quality work, to offer work that you could receive money for, I think I'll say it, not quality. Yeah. Uh, to offer it up for free is is a cool kind of badass thing you can do now. And it's funny, the opposite used to be true, but now that's like an edgy path you can take. Definitely. I think that's a, that's a fairly good point to round this out on. I think it, it was advice for creators in the modern world. Like, just just get your stuff out there and just go do stuff. And then, yeah. you know. Yeah. If someone, uh, the, the great thing I love about that business model, and I, I spoke to a, a rap artist called Lexicon Artist, we were on about how people, you know, steal music and, and whatnot. And for us, that was like a big thing in the 90s, don't steal, steal stuff. And she was just like, I thoroughly accept that people can get my work for free. I just put it out there. If they take it for free, they'll pay to come see a show. Yes. They'll, they'll pay for the experience. The content's free. Like you yeah. can go do that. And yeah that's not a bad model to have and you get to meet cool people along the way you get to meet cool people along the way and it's like you you know the the end goal here is you want people to see the stuff that you've made um you know you don't want to be there's someone out there who has died with just incredible work on a floppy disk in their basement uh somewhere out there there's a floppy disk with just the best screenplay we've never read uh so you might as well put it out there for people to see and Hopefully enjoy, maybe ridicule, who gives a shit? Uh, you know, that's all we really... Yeah, we'll be, we'll be dead by that point. It's yeah, you're going to die. Who gives a fuck? Exactly. On that, yeah. on that, on that delightful note, we'll round this out. <laughs> did, did I answer any of your questions? We went on some... all the questions. That's you... the beauty of this podcast. I just, we just go and redo the things. But thank you for coming to chat to me, Will. Yeah, man. Fantastic. This I was am... awesome. Yeah, and it, you, people should definitely check out your website. What's your website for the... Uh, it's uh, hopefulcases.org or willboyogen.com, but go to hopefulcases.org. It's got all the fun bits. And those are the bits people should look at, and they should check out your work as well. Yeah. They see you about, but on that note, we'll call it there. Thanks very much. We'll talk to these guys later. Bye. See you later.